Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I saw the the third. I saw Return of the King on Christmas Eve in like 2003, uh, and it was incredible. It was a dream, and I wanted to be Liv Tyler. That's all I wanted to be, and I was obsessed with Orlando Bloom. So I had, you know, those like cardboard cutouts. That, yeah, yeah. So I had a Legolas cutout in my room <laughs> that ended up just looking in the middle of the night like a man standing in my room, which was oh horrifying. My God. <laughs> Welcome to See Jurassic Right, the mini-sode. Hi, guys. Welcome to 2020. It's not the first episode of 2020 because technically the best of Jurassic News of 2019 came out on New Year's Day. It's been a minute, but I'm so happy to be back in the studio chatting with y'all about not only Jurassic News, but a little bit of Lord of the Rings news as well. Uh, and I've mentioned it previously, but Jay Biona, who directed Fallen Kingdom, is directing the Lord of the Rings TV series. So this episode, we're sneaking in a couple little Lord of the Rings, a little C. Tolkien right uh, later in this episode. Um, and I heard from a few of you on the Facebook group and on Instagram that you'd be interested in hearing a little bit about this Lord of the Rings television show and Lord of the Rings in general. So we're going to start sneaking it in here in 2020. So I'm super excited. I'm also a little bit sick right now. So apologies. Uh, if 
uh, I make any horrible, um, what was it in the Carnosaur 2, the Carnosaur movies, there was that reviewer that was like just the, the amount of mucus and slime and everything like that, even though I'm sure dinosaurs weren't as uh, mucusy or as slimy as the ones in Carnosaur. But uh, I wanted to start things off a little bit. Uh, it'll be too, too late by the time this comes out, but I've been posting it all over social media. Uh, but I'm super excited. I just want to say right now that I'm super excited for the Jurassic January trivia night, bingo night, uh, raffle and prizes for to raise money for Santiago Cat Rescue. I'm super excited for that event at Idle Hour, and I will be talking about it very soon. So I just wanted to throw my excitement out there. I hope to see all of you who uh, who have you know talked to about coming, and uh, hopefully you're not hearing about this too late. Hopefully I've made a enough of a fuss on it across socials and across other podcast that you will be coming out to this event at idle hour but i'm really looking forward to it i'm glad we're getting to raise a couple bucks too as well uh well hopefully more than a couple bucks for santador so getting that off the way also wanted to thank everyone again for the for participating in the gift exchange that was such a blast uh just fun it's just like get a little extra guaranteed jurassic gifts uh in your uh in your in your presence this year from santa so well from your secret santa i should say uh, yeah, hope everyone enjoyed that. And if you uh, didn't do it this year and you want to get on it, just take a look. Go to the Instagram, go to go to the Facebook group, see Jurassic Right Podcast, and you can see all the gifts that people were giving each other. And uh, yeah, it was so great. And uh, thank you again to Kelly, my secret Santa, uh, which partially included a plesiosaur and a blanket and my favorite thing, which was a Ford Explorer, but with a Christmas tree on top. So it just made me so happy. But uh, yeah, I love Secret Santas. I I didn't really do them growing up, I guess. I don't know if anybody did, but I guess work, workplace uh, Secret Santas is a thing and stuff, which mostly was white elephant gifts. I would say legitimately looking at on the Facebook group and on Instagram that everyone's see Jurassic right. Uh, Christmas gift, Secret Santa gift was a great gift and not a gag gift. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was so great. Um, but come on, let's just hop into the news. We got a lot of talk. To, we got a lot to talk about because filming starts in less than a month. Can you believe that? That is so. I can't believe we're here. We're here with uh, with filming. I mean, that's just. It just seems like. I just remember when Fallen Kingdom came out, and of course, we're always looking ahead, and it just seems so far away, but now it's here. Um, so, a couple of things. Obviously, it starts filming. Jurassic World 3 starts filming at Pinewood Studios in London in February. Um, but a couple of interesting things, and um, real... I'm just look, opening up these websites uh, for the sources. Real News Hawaii mentions that Jurassic is going to be filming in Hawaii. So... I don't know what that means. Are they going back to an island? Is Hawaii actually standing in for Hawaii this time and not Isla Nublar or Isla Sorna? So I think that's very interesting. Uh, I think, I don't know what, a globetrotting adventure. That's the only thing I keep expecting out of JW3. And I feel like until we hear otherwise, I'm just going to take any location is just, well, they're just going across the world. Maybe they have to go back to Nublar for some reason. Maybe somebody left something there. I don't know. Uh, another thing via, what is this? Via, um, oh, Production Weekly and Matt M. Some of you may know him as Sickle underscore Claw on Twitter says that the working title for Jurassic World 3 is Arcadia, which was actually the name of the ship um, in 
Fong Kingdom, which was also the name of the ship in King Kong, I believe the original one. So, uh, you know, the working titles, Ebb Tide, and I forget what the other working title, the working title for Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Oh, Ancient Futures. That's what it was. I remembered it off the top of my head. Um, yeah, the, the working titles don't really have anything to do with the movies, but sometimes it's kind of fun to be like, ooh, well, it's named after the boat, which is like going to a new place. It means Jurassic World is, you know, going new places or so. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you could speculate there. Um, I thought this was interesting. Chris Pugh retweeted an interview that Sam Neill did with News Breakfast. And Sam Neill said that he starts filming Jurassic World 3 in April with Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum. So, again, the original trilogy is coming back. The original trilogy. (laughs) The original trio is coming back with Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill. And, yeah, they're going to start filming in April. It makes sense that they wouldn't start filming in February right away. I'm sure that that's going to be with, you know, our main cast, Bryce and Owen, and hopefully Isabel Sermon. Although, again, she's her and I talked about this last time, but her and Henry Wu, B.D. Wong, uh, Isabel Sermon and B.D. Wong are, you know, they're kind of taken for granted as coming back, but I don't think they've been, I haven't found any sources where they're officially announced, but I think it's all been, all been likely confirmed. Um, and then a couple days ago, we got a tweet from Colin Trevorrow where it shows him, let's see, let me open up the tweet. It says, it just says work and it has, uh, I don't think it's John Nolan specifically, but it might just be his hand, uh, Colin Trevorrow's hands. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I should have been paying closer attention when I met Colin Trevorrow and shook his hand. But um, they sh- they're showing this amazing looking animatronic. Uh, I'm just pausing it here. And it's like you see the tongue moving and the eyes moving and it has no skin. So it's just like a jumbly mess of, uh, of computer parts and things like that in the shape of a dinosaur skull. Um, there's been a few spe- speculations about what it is. But I mean, it's so hard to tell. I mean, it looks like an herbivore just because... It's kind of got like a beak. So like my first guess when I see that, cause it's kind of got like a short stubby beak, I would either say it's like a Stiggy Moloch, uh, you know, maybe the return of Stiggy, uh, a Pachycephalosaurus, maybe, um, but it also has like a tongue, like a Triceratops or like a Stegosaurus. So I definitely think it's safe to say that it's an, er- uh, an herbivore, unless it's maybe an Oviraptor, which we've never seen in the franchise. So that would be pretty cool. But yeah, it's just showing work. And if you don't know, John Nolan this time is taking care of the animatronics uh, for uh, Jurassic World 3. Um, they did the Netflix prequel to Dark Crystal. So uh, Fallen Kingdom was uh, Neil Scanlon, who does all the Star Wars movies. And then John Rosengrant took over for Battle at Big Rock. Um, and John Rosengrant originally, you know, was on Stan Winston's team that did 1, 2, and 3. Um, but I'm excited for the animatronics in Jurassic World 3 because it's less emphasis on the, the look and more emphasis on the interior and the physicalness. I mean, this is just, you know, based off of, um, I mean, although, I mean, the, the Dark Crystal animatronics and puppets look amazing, but I believe when John Nolan, uh, Colin Trevorrow and, uh, confirmed that John Nolan would be taking over, that there was kind of this, uh, focused physicalness and, and by the looks of this animatronic, again, kind of, because again, to me personally, the biggest, ju- and, and I think Colin Trevorrow has stated somewhere of like learning from Fallen Kingdom in the sense that he was the writer on the side watching J.A. Bayona work. 
um, to me, the biggest achievement of Fallen Kingdom really was the amount of interaction we had with the animatronics that hadn't been seen since the original Jurassic Park. So to me, the idea that Colin is taking those lessons from Fallen Kingdom of having the actors physically interact with these dinosaurs, to me, that is the coolest thing. And so I'm only hoping that John Nolan's team is just going to knock it out of the park. And, and so, yeah, I think maybe some people's worry is that, you know, oh, these animatronics are these puppets. They're not necessarily like camera ready per se, because they're just going to be replaced with CGI. But the CGI will always look infinitely better if you have physical reference on set. So uh, you know, my problem with Jurassic World sometimes is that I felt like because there was no physical reference, every, you know, things kind of felt weightless and airy. So I think we're probably going to get the best of both worlds here, hopefully. Um, yeah. So that's my thought on that. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other. Oh, well, and then, yeah, just of this, just as a day or two ago, uh, it's not in my notes, but Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, just landed in London. So I don't know if that means that they're, cause it's only the 17th of January as of this recording. So, I mean, they're probably not going to start filming for a few weeks, right? I mean, they, she, if she's just flying to London now, so that doesn't mean she's going to be filming in it, like at the beginning of February, maybe that means that they're going to start train, you know, training and stuff like that, you know, physically getting back into shape. She still kind of has her, her, um, fallen kingdom hair. So we don't know if she's changing her hairstyle, uh, yet or anything like that, but, um, remains to be seen. So, but speaking of BDH, I wanted to just give a few thoughts on the Mandalorian episode that she directed. She directed the, oh, I wish I had this in front of me. Um, I believe it was the fourth episode, uh, with Gina Carano's introduction. Uh, and it's like, it was a riff on kind of the seven samurai storyline. Uh, I love BDH directed the episode. She's one of the first, uh, women to direct a Star Wars, uh, property behind Deborah Chow, I believe was the first female director. And then, um, Victoria. Oh, I can't remember her name. She did first unit directing on the rise of Skywalker, but, uh, I love it. I mean, I, you know, I love BDH's, uh, enthusiasm for the franchise. I love how much she truly cares about Claire and about the journey. And I think she truly is the Jurassic Park fan amongst the cast in this new trilogy. And so if we're up to me, I would love it if we get, you know, if we get Jurassic films beyond Jurassic World 3, I would love to have BDH take a stab and direct one of them. I think that would be incredible. In continuing from that, I wanted to mention that I saw Laura Dern in Little Women and she was amazing as Mamre uh, March. Um, in the, in the story, she kind of, uh, in Little Women, in the original story, it's, it's, she plays such a cool role because she's somebody who is kind of idealized. And then through the story, you kind of learn about this kind of struggle that she's dealing with under the surface, but she's so calm and collected on top. And I love that dynamic and I love that you get to learn more about her. And it's, and it's the dynamic of a daughter learning about who her mom really is and stuff. I, that really resonated with me, but it just truly, and also congratulations because she won the golden globe for best supporting actor for marriage story. The other big movie that she was in recently. Um, but it just makes me so excited for her to have a major, not cameo role in Jurassic world three, because she's, she's acting in some of these incredibly juicy roles and that just gives me so much hope for Jurassic World 3 because there's no way she would return as Dr. Ellie Sattler and then not have 
this juice, you know, <laughs> this juice. Blame it on the juice. Um, yeah, it's just Ellie Sattler wouldn't come back for nothing, you know. So Laura Dern's not gonna not gonna put up with a cameo. Like it just any any Laura Dern role in the last couple of years. It's like just think about all that energy, Big Little Lies, just like uh, Admiral Holdo. Like just think of that applied to Doctor Ellie Sattler. Like that just makes me so excited. We're finally gonna get um, another Doctor Ellie Sattler story that. Um, the character deserves. So I'm super excited about that. Um, a few other little random things for news. It's not a lot of news. Again, we're about to get for filming. This is kind of the final breath before the plunge. Um, there was these Jurassic motion comics. Uh, I'll put a link to them. They are kind of whatever. They're supposed to like take place in between Fallen Kingdom and Battle of Big Rock, I guess. The art style is not very good. I'm sorry. I'm being very dismissive. I'm, I just am finding it hard to work up a lot of energy about it. Um, it's a little more extra canon content, I guess, even though I don't think they really add that much to it. Anyway, let's just move on. Uh, Return to Jurassic Park DLC. I hope all of you are enjoying it. If you're playing, I more than ever want to play Jurassic World Evolution. And for those who don't know, Return to Jurassic Park DLC uh, basically is like... um. Clayton kind of put it, it's almost like an alternate story if there had been a Jurassic Park sequel in the 90s where somehow Hammond convinces uh, Dr. Sattler, uh, Dr. Grant, and Dr. Malcolm to come back and help him rebuild Jurassic Park. And so, yeah, I haven't heard too much... I personally haven't heard too much. I mean, it, the part that people are talking about is just kind of getting to build a Jurassic Park that looks like Jurassic Park versus, you know, the Jurassic World aesthetic. That's kind of been the conversation. I haven't heard people talk too much about uh, Sam Neill and uh, Laura Dern returning to voice acting those characters. But maybe it's a little sneak peek of what to expect. But it's not really like a true sequel. It's kind of like an alternate universe, like a what if. Um but if anyone has any thoughts on that, I would love to hear them because I haven't heard too many people uh, talk about the voice acting and how it, uh, you know, if it gives us any clues for Jurassic World 3. And then I'm super duper, super duper excited for the Jurassic World live tour. Uh, I definitely have seen people in the Facebook group who have gone and I'm super excited to go myself. And I have... I mean, I guess I could fly places if I really wanted to, but ideally, uh, and if you go to JurassicWorldLiveTour.com slash tickets, you can see where the tickets are coming in your area this year. But there are opportunities, if you're in Southern California, to see it in Anaheim, uh, July 9th through the 12th uh, at the Honda Center, and in Los Angeles, uh, July 17th through the 19th at the Staples Center. So uh, I think I'm going to try... I would love to see it at both... You know, uh, that would be really cool, but we'll see. And I definitely want to do something special for it when I see it. So be on the lookout for that. So that's all the news right now, but I feel like we're going to get a bunch of new news coming in the next couple of days and weeks. So we'll probably have to jump back in pretty soon and dissect it all. But let's take a break and get into this month's adventures. All right, and we're back. I went to go get some Theraflu, aka a nice cup of tea, and wanted to settle in and catch up with a couple of the adventures I had been on. So this year, I was felt very grateful to participate in Grinch Miss, uh, based on 2001's 
the Grinch, um, the Grinch who stole Christmas. And it's really become the kind of centerpiece to Universal Studios around the holidays. We took Luna, Brenna's, uh, kid <laughs> and Chris Romante and Rich Castales, uh, uh, Chris's kid. And, uh, <laughs> we had such a great time just, you know, palling around. And the, one of my favorite things was they didn't, uh, one of my favorite things is the, they decorated the, uh, there's like a tree downstairs that they decorated with these little pteranodons and it was very cute and I loved it. And pretty much the rest of my holiday was spent at the end of the year. Um, I actually took like two weeks, uh, not off cause I still worked across it, but two weeks, you know, to go travel and stuff. And so one of the, I went back to Salt Lake city. And so last time, a couple mini sodes ago, I went to the natural history museum in Salt Lake city that Brenda took me to but this time we went to the schlocky, the cheesy, the great Ogden's George S. Eccles Dinosaur Park. In this, excuse me, this place has to be seen to be believed. It is right out of, I want to say it's right out of the 80s, even though it was in the 90s. Um, but you go up and it's, so there's a kind of a museum element and I would say the museum is really genuinely great. They have a lot more bones and a lot more exhibits there, kind of your classic natural history museum. Um, they had a lot of great stuff there, but really why you're going is for the dinosaur park element and this artist, I mean, it's all consistent style, but essentially you walk around in this outdoor park and it's filled with dinosaurs. I mean, I couldn't even like I couldn't even take a picture of every single dinosaur. You got Dilophosaurus, uh, Diplodocus, Tyrannosaurus. I mean, to give you an idea of the of the the cheese factor of these beautiful um, maquettes, these statues. I mean, these are truly. I mean, some of these are 20, 30 feet tall. But to give you an idea of like when you first walk out into this dinosaur park, and it's in this like. It's in this valley as you're going past Ogden in Salt Lake City. So it's like kind of in a mountainous terrain. And what was really exciting was we were there when there was snow on the ground. So it just made it more eerie and evocative. But the first thing you see is a Tyrannosaurus leaning over a disemboweled and uh, chunks taken out of Parasaurolophus. Again, it reminds me very much of the dinosaur dictionaries and dinosaur books of yesteryear where it was much more brutal and just like, like things getting ripped apart. Um, but you know, they have everything from, yeah, like even like a Margosaurus and a Plesiosaur and a, the Spinosaurus was huge. And they just, I mean, just Brachiosaurus and just all these different, I mean, we were there for maybe like an hour or two. But I mean, you could have wandered around that place all day. It was so much fun. And there's even a part where they have like these dinosaur heads that are like almost like trophy, like hunting trophies. It was very, um, oh, what's that Ray Bradbury short story? But it's just like, you know, the, you know, uh, not that story, but I was like thinking like, has there been a story done where like a hunter goes like a Roland Tembo type goes back in time and uh, you know, and hunts dinosaurs for sport, you know, but suddenly, but I guess that is the kind of Ray Bradbury. Why can't I remember that Ray Bradbury dinosaur short? Maybe I should just look it up live on the podcast. Ray Bradbury dinosaur. <laughs> uh, a sound of thunder. Yes. Oh no, that is that. That is what, that is what the story is. A sound, of, a sound of thunder. Um, yeah, this offers wealthy adventurers a chance to travel back in time to hunt extinct species such as dinosaurs. 
Oh, a hunter named Eccles. Oh my God. I wonder if that's the connection to, it's spelled differently than George C, than George S. Eccles. Whoa. Spooky. Uh, should I watch that movie adaptation of A Sound of Thunder that they made that was supposedly really bad, um, but had Ben Kingsley in it? Um, I heard it's like one of the worst movies ever. Uh, anyway, truly, and you can go look on my Instagram, like ha- sight to be seen, these statues are incredible. And it was just like a fun afternoon, Brennan, and I just kind of walked around and it was just really glorious. And so... Um, yeah, that was super cool. I saw some other people had gone in some other natural history muse- museum adventures over the holidays. So I want to hear about, did you go home with your family and go check out, you know, either your natural history museum that you loved as a kid or, um, or just kind of transitioning into my next, uh, trip. Um, my dad moved to Miami, um, for how long? I don't know. Uh, but it was a chance to go on a new adventure and check out a new, uh, museum. So I went to the Frost Museum of Science and I would say the Frost Museum of Science is, is, um, yeah, it's a museum of science. So it's much more science center than it is natural history museum. Uh, and there wasn't, there isn't like a, there wasn't like a, a paleontological display or anything like that per se, but there was a whole exhibit on the idea of flight and feathers. And so they had a really great, um, I forget what the name of that critter is i don't know if i posted it on my c jurassic right instagram ah it was a u tyrannus that was the name of it but it just it was you again this is on this is on my personal instagram i should have posted it on the c jurassic right instagram um but this impressive you know 10 foot tall theropod it's it's kind of that thing where people are like oh dinosaurs with feathers isn't scary but if you look at this u tyrannus you would say otherwise. There's some, there's nothing more. A six foot turkey is terrifying. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but yeah, so it was kind of cool to go get a chance to see another museum. And it, again, it was mostly science center slash aquarium, but it was still super fun. I mean, I love aquariums. I love a good science center. So, and, uh, yeah. And also I went to the Everglades, uh, and saw a lot of alligators uh although i did see a crocodile but mostly alligators um because those are two different things um the everglades are so eerie there's something so weirdly lonely and quiet about the everglades i don't know it's so interesting i did not i did not know what to expect at all and it but yet somehow knowing that alligators live there kind of makes perfect sense there's something like there's just something incredibly still about it. And then you're going through on this like fan boat, you know, you're just gliding over the land. I don't know. It's very, you know, it's just water law. It's not a swamp. It's just, you know, drenched grass, I guess. So it was very strange, but I loved it. Um, and of course, uh, you know, not a lot of dinosaur adventures per se, uh, this holiday, but, uh, it was really fun recording the Jurassic News episode with Brenna on top of uh, my dad's apartment, um, his penthouse or whatever in uh, in Miami. So that that made it fun, you know, to little to podcast a bit of Jurassic while up there was great. But I will say that Brenna and I really kicked off 2020 with dinosaurs. By I mean, it was it was very like full circle uh, because when we got back from traveling and stuff, it was the last weekend of the Antarctic dinosaurs exhibit in Los Angeles. It's just so wild to think that 
in April uh, when I had my birthday there and I did this, you know, I got to take a early look um, from the museum. Let me take an early look at the exhibit and walk through it. You know, I'd already seen it in Chicago and I had, we had the field meet up there, field museum meet up there and everything like that. So I, I feel very close to the Antarctic dinosaurs exhibit and I'm so glad that I got to see it from Chicago, its inception all the way through till it's closing in Los Angeles. So that was just, I was just so glad that I could be there on literally on the last day is wild to think about. Yeah. I just was so glad I got to be there for its last day and we got to take Luna. And so she got to see, she was a little scared first of it, but you know, kids, kids like dinosaurs, you know, again, that's the push and pull. You're scared, but you love it, but it's so cool. But, oh no, is it going to eat me? Oh no, it's not going to eat me. Rawr, you know, that whole thing. So, uh, yeah, I just felt very glad. I'm, I don't know where it's going next. Is it going back to Chicago? Is it going to travel? I don't know. I, I will keep people updated. If I hear where it's going next, I will let you know because it truly is one of the most amazing exhibits. I mean, you have Antarctica, you have dinosaurs, you have climate change, you have an inside look and appreciation for the scientists on the ground doing those things. The work that Dr. Nathan Smith did on that exhibit is truly groundbreaking and one of the best, one of the best science exhibits ever. So, um, really props to, uh, him and his team and, and all the team out in the field for doing all that amazing work and all the cool discoveries, Crylophosaurus and the sauropodomorphs. Ah, so cool. All right. Uh, that's it for the adventures. And now we're going to get into a little Lord of the Rings with C. Tolkien Wright. So right after this. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And the road goes ever on and on, long before it ever began. Okay, I hope, <laughs> I hope you Jurassic Park fans are still listening, because we're about to dive into my other nerdy fandom, Lord of the Rings. So, uh, I got into Lord of the Rings. Yeah, kind of, I mean that was my other big fandom in high. That, that was my big fandom in high school. It was kind of that tr- transitionary period because I liked, obviously, Jurassic Park early childhood, all the way through. 
I mean, yeah, Jurassic Park 3, really. I mean, till just before freshman year of high school. And that was when kind of Harry Potter was getting bigger. And Lord of the Rings, obviously, was like, you know, going to be made into all these movies. Because Lord of the Rings, the original Fellowship, came out in 2001. Same year as Jurassic Park 3. Fun fact, Sam Neill turned down the role of Elrond so that he could do uh, Alan Grant again in Jurassic Park 3. So there's also that connection as well, too. So, and I think it was just really getting more into reading and stuff. I was such a big reader and I didn't really, I couldn't quite do Lord of the Rings. I think my first attempt when I was like 12 or 13, couldn't quite do it, but read The Hobbit, loved it. Uh, and then it wasn't really until my, I think my sophomore year of high school, uh, seeing the two towers, cause I'd already seen fellowship, but it truly was two towers that made me go, okay, I need to go back. I need to read the books and I need to, um, dive into this fandom, you know? And again, I read all the books and there was definitely a brief period, even through college where I would read Lord of the Rings every year, like once a year, I was doing it like Christopher Lee style where I'd, you know read the books, read it again. I just, there was something about the language and the poetry and everything it was so beautiful. And, you know, I love, um, I love the original Harry Potter. You know, I eventually got into Harry Potter much later as an adult, actually. Um, and obviously love Michael Crichton, but there was something about Tolkien's language that was very different than a lot of other authors, you know, where actually it's the language itself that was, you were supposed to pay attention to it, you know, the flowery language and all that stuff. So and the poetry and the world building. And, you know, I think a lot of that stuff, you know, Tolkien, you know, he's kind of set that up for a lot of nerds today. I mean, world building and lore and mythology are so important in film um, nowadays, especially with the, you know, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Star Wars and stuff. So I feel like it all kind of ties together. So the fact that when, when I saw that Jay Bayona was going to direct the Lord of the Rings series for Amazon that they're trying to do. Cause you know, post game of Thrones, now that game of Thrones is over, there's this vacuum for, for something fantasy. So I, it makes sense that they would, you know, and Lord of the Rings is done. The Hobbit's done. So it makes sense that they want to try and still, and also uh, rest in peace, Christopher Tolkien, um, J.R. Tolkien's son just passed away yesterday, I believe, um, who edited most of Tolkien's works after he passed, you know, he edited most of his dad's work after he passed away. I mean, he's so, he's as equally instrumental in the legacy of Lord of the Rings as, as J.R. Tolkien was, you know, himself. Um, so R.I.P. Christopher Tolkien. Um, but, you know, it makes sense. I mean, Lord of the Rings was a universe, had, you know, you look at the appendices and stuff, and again, uh, it was just such a rich world. And so it makes sense that they would want to do something else with it. I mean, it's, th- that's kind of how I feel about Jurassic World 3. It's like, is that really, is Jurassic really going to be over after Jurassic World 3? It feels like we just got started, which I've said a million times. And so I'm sure after Lord of the Rings, people were like, is that it? And then we got The Hobbit, which was not as satisfying. I, there's a lot to love about The Hobbit and I can dive into I mean, the the making of The Hobbit to me is almost more interesting than the adaptations themselves. That's a whole nut that I can get into at some point. But, 
you know, I, I love Lord of the Rings. And again, it's like any time that they stop making the thing you like, it's like, oh, is that the, the, is that when I fade out of the fandom? And it's interesting because I, I studied abroad in New Zealand, obviously because of Lord of the Rings. I mean, come on, who are we kidding? <laughs> you know, anybody who says they studied abroad in New Zealand, not because the Lord of the Rings is a liar or a bungee jumper, uh, or a skydiver, I should say, or bungee jumper. I think both of those were invented in New Zealand as well in Queenstown. Uh, don't quote me on that, but. So, but it's funny because I was, I, I, when I lived in New Zealand, I was there in between Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit when my own personal Lord of the Rings fandom was pretty low. And I would say even now it's, you know, hopefully with this C. Tolkien right segment that, you know, I'll occasionally pop in, uh, you know, whether it be a whole episode or just a couple of news updates on minisodes, uh, you know, I'll get to explore this fandom once again with this new TV show. Um, and also Chris Bermonte, aka Montiac is also a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And so, uh, we might just use, uh, this podcast as an excuse to do some special Lord of the Rings episodes. So stick around for that. But first of all, what is this Amazon Lord of the Rings TV show that Jay Bayon is doing? So, uh, it's so funny because there's been, it's funny when I first thought about talking about this a couple months ago, there's been a lot of ch- big changes. Um, and so, uh, I'm really glad that GQ, that Ben Allen over at GQ published an article a couple days ago that says everything in GQ, everything you need to know about Amazon's Lord of the Rings TV series. Amazon is set to turn J.R. Tolkien's classic book series into the most expensive TV series of all time. Here's everything we know so far. And funnily enough, cameras are going to start rolling on this Lord of the Rings TV series the same month in February as Jurassic World 3. So again, I thought that was another bit of kooky coincidence um, that I think makes having uh, this Lord of the Rings conversation appropriate on this Jurassic Park podcast. Um, wow. They're saying, so this is from UK. So they're, this is in pounds. The company will probably spend more than 5 million on the series. The rights alone cost 190 million pounds. So 500 million, what is like... Th- $750 million, something like that. Um, blowing Netflix's The Crown and Apple's Morning Show out of the water become the most expensive TV series ever produced. Um, who's going to star in the series? Game of Thrones alumni Robert Arameo will play the lead. Uh, Midsommar's Will uh, Polter pulled out in December due to scheduling conflicts. And he was also in the third Narnia movie that I actually liked that I saw when I lived in London. Oh my gosh. It was the last Narnia movie made before they pulled the plug on that, on that series. Um, he will also, uh, so now Robert Arameo will co-star along Joseph Maul, who's another Game of Thrones, uh, actor. Um, there's also Owain Arthur, Nizan Bonadi, Bonadi, sorry, and Morfid Clark, Tom Budge, Ishmael Cruz Cordova, Emma Horvath, Markella Kavanaugh, Tyro, Mufidian, Sophia Nomvet, Megan Richards, Dylan Smith, Charlie Vickers, and Daniel Wayman. Um, and then in this uh, article from Ben Allen, he says, Casting calls have been put out in New Zealand for extras with wonderful noses and character faces. They were also keen to cast people under four feet, nine inches, and over six foot, four inches, you know, hobbity and wizardy types. And I think that's another uh, clue there that this is filming in New Zealand. So, Regardless, because I think people are like, is this going to, are they going to try and sort of continue Peter Jackson's universe? I mean, nobody can argue that Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, I mean, it is a defining vision of Middle Earth. And so 
I think early reports were saying that he will be involved, he won't be, and maybe this article will uh, answer that uh, because I haven't finished reading it. Um, But the early reports were like, will they, won't they? Um, But the fact that they are deciding to film it in New Zealand, at least I think as far as like Amazon is concerned, they probably want that visual consistency um as like an easy way in because i think the original lord of the rings movies i think people love them because the um, the immersion into that world and because new zealand uh you know um fly of the concords is in new york city that's not new zealand uh you know i think new zealand itself what became a star in lord of the rings so i think amazon is like maybe that's a safe bet by at least having the the locations take place in a similar um you know place it's not to say that the universe like that this is going to be connected because that's the next thing in this article which is the plot of the new series is currently being kept under lock and key so for all we know is that it'll be a prequel to the hobbit and lord of the rings set in middle earth's second middle earth's second age thousands of years before frodo and his pal set off for mount doom so the second age oof gosh i'm gonna lord of the ring nerds are gonna be uh, getting on my butt, but I believe the second age of middle earth was when, um, the falling of Numenor. So if you remember in the, <laughs> Oh God, this is so nerdy. Um, so if you remember in the, the prologue for fellowship of the ring where, um, you know, the Kings of Numenor, the, their lands sunk. So they came to middle earth uh, but that was when um, Sauron tricked them and made the one ring. So this is supposed to be um, that's the part that I, I think people are are trying to figure out is is this going to be set with like is is this going to be set when like is this going to be about the downfall of Numenor basically is this going to be like a Game of Thrones style like the the world the Numenorean men have become corrupt and they have to seek out the new lands and everything like that um or is this going to be like the rise of Sauron or stuff you know what I mean it's like it's kind of all enmeshed in that stuff so um but that that's kind of vaguely what I've heard uh about it you know but does that mean though I mean characters like Elrond and Galadriel were around at the time of the second age. So could we get, I, I don't want to say younger versions, but could we get, I mean, would they recast Elrond and Galadriel and stuff, or would they make them look younger? And it's like all YA and cool or whatever. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So in this article, they also talk about the speculation of the rise of Sauron. Um, it, and then in this quote from Amazon studios, had Jennifer Salk told Variety, it's not a remaking of the movies and it's not a whole new thing. It's something in between. It's not, oh, it's Lord of the Rings, but you don't recognize anything in it, but it's not totally familiar to you either. So it's original. <laughs> I don't know what that quote means. Um, but again, uh, Star Trek writers, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay from like the new movies, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom director, Jay Bayona and Game of Thrones writer and executive producer, uh, Brian Cogman. Um, and there's writers from Sopranos and Breaking Bad and Stranger Things. Um, yeah. So the actual show itself isn't going to show up until 2021. Again, same year as Jurassic World 3. Um, 
Jurassic World 3's release. And then a news article came out, I believe, yeah, November by Nelly and Drivas said that um, pre-production for Amazon's high-profile Lord of the Rings TV series gearing up in New Zealand. Um, they are uh, moving ahead with an early season two renewal. Um, and basically, in order to do that, they last year basically essentially put the start of season one on a hold. Oh yeah, here we go. The early season two pickup is good news for fans if it'll, as it'll allow for a shorter break between the end of season one and the premiere of season two. In conjunction with the early renewal, the LOTR series will go on a four to five month hiatus after filming its first two episodes from season one directed by Jay Bayona. Um, and then they, after they film those, they will use the rest of the time to write and uh, to write and map out the bulk of season two scripts as well too, which is really cool. Um, and I guess this is standard practice for big TV shows, which I didn't know. Um, and, but I, I mean, I think that's a good idea just because it allows them to craft season one and season two as a more complete show. If it only does two seasons, you know, anything like that, when you have time, you know, when you have time ahead to write and stuff, always is going to make it better. Um, so, I mean, obviously Lord of the Rings really was the Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings was the original poster child for filming everything at once. I mean, it just blows my mind. Like I was so obsessed with Lord of the Rings in high school, would watch the extended editions over and over again. I watched all the commentaries for each one over and over again. And I was just upset. I mean, if Jurassic Park like made me believe in the power of cinema, like, you know, wow, what are movies and stuff like Lord of the Rings and watching those behind the, watching the movies themselves and wondering how they made it. And then being able to learn about it through those behind the scenes and extended edition DVDs made me like want to get into the film industry in a way. Uh, no, not in a way it did. And then, um, lost in translation made me want to write movies, but, um, yeah. So Lord of the Rings really had a huge impact on me growing up and, the idea of him filming all three movies at once. I mean, that was insane at the time. Uh, so it, it all feels very full circle with this series so far. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's super exciting. Just even reading more of this right now too. I'm like getting super excited. Uh, the rest of the series creative team, this is from the deadline article, uh, includes uh, costume designer, Kate Holly from suicide squad production designer, rich, uh, Rick Heinrichs from The Last Jedi, visual effects supervisor, uh, Jason Smith from The Revenant, and then also, um, oh yeah, this is, this is the other part that's really cool too, if you're uh, a you know, Jackson Lord of the Rings fan, Tolkien scholar Tom Shippey and illustrator and concept artist John Howe are back on board uh, as well. So that makes me super excited. Um, it makes me want to go read Lord of the Rings right now and rewatch the Jackson movies. So um yeah, there's 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 more news coming, obviously, and it'll be super exciting to follow the news of this along with the production of Jurassic World 3. Um, so let me know if you're digging this, if you want to hear more. But right now, I wanted to play a bit of... So you'll hear very soon from Kira Metcalf. She's an amazingly talented musician, songwriter, and she was on the Percast in the fall, and she, we also recorded an SJR episode, which will be out very soon. But then we were talking about Lord of the Rings, so I was like, hold up, hold up, let's record this. Um, and I want to place this little bit of our little Lord of the Rings chat right here for you to listen to. So enjoy. Um, I want to pick your brain for one minute about Lord of the Rings. Please. I love Basically, that. Um, I love that. But yeah, like you mentioned that you're kind of a Lord of the Rings nerd. It's like, where did that start for you? Um, I, you know, I saw... 
I mean, I was seeing the movies as they came out, and I was pretty young, so they were pretty scary. But I, I saw the the third. I saw Return of the King on Christmas Eve in like 2003, uh, and it was incredible. It was a dream, and I wanted to be Liv Tyler. That's all I wanted to be, and I was obsessed with Orlando Bloom. So I had. You know those like cardboard cutouts? That, yeah, yeah. So I had a Legolas cutout in my room <laughs> that ended up just looking in the middle of the night like a man standing in my room, which was horrifying. Oh my God. <laughs> but um but again, like I said, like I'm a facial person, like I just I get obsessed. And one year I got the you know, I always I always loved Lord of the Rings and then I got the extended edition box set and that was it. And nice. then just every you know, every time it snows, it's that's that's what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> I need to. I haven't done an extended marathon oh, in such a long time. I do it at least once a year. If it's a you know, it's New York winters can be pretty enduring. So also, so one time I, I it was a snowstorm and I think I was also sick and I was doing a you know I was I was watching the whole series and I I just kept like you know, Facebook statusing, because I'm not good at Twitter, but I was Facebook statusing like different things I was doing because I started to do it as a drinking game. And if you, if you take a shot every time the word endure comes up in the Lord <laughs> of the Rings series, you will get drunk. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's There's incredible. a lot of them. Yeah. So if you want to ever come up with a Lord of the Rings drinking game, I'm very down. That sounds so much fun. It was a lot. <laughs> oh, especially the extension 11 hours. Oh, yeah. It's a lot you of might enduring. Die. <laughs> you You're might right. Die. It is a lot of enduring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's like, you know. Enduring. But really. you would make it to the end. You definitely, I think so. I saw I saw a meme where it shows the fellowship recently, mm -hmm. and it was like fellowship at 100% strength. Ooh. And then it showed the same, <laughs> you know, it's the photo with all of them, like yeah. in, um, in Rivendell. Mm -hmm. And then it said fellowship at 99% strength, and all the fellowship was gone except for Sam. And oh, I was my like, God. I like this wholesome Sam meme. I, I love a good wholesome Sam meme. Yeah. A good Sean Astin meme. Um, but you, did you like the the Hobbit movies. <laughs> Just this era I, went I, as, as look, quiet as a as a time spent in Moria, <laughs> Balin's tomb, Balin's tomb. Excuse me. You know, uh, I I have such a nostalgic connection to the Lord of the Rings movies that they can like transcend the books, even though they're so different. Yeah, but I. And like you can come for me, like I, I understand, but I just—I <laughs> don't know if anybody's going to come. I know for you. that's okay. I felt like even Peter Jackson, I don't think, would come for you. I just felt like it was such a cash grab, and I was like, "What? Like you have this beautiful?" And I feel I'm like I, I live for Harry Potter, and like I feel the same way. It was like you, you have a script. It's called the book, and there it is. And like you, like you, it's like The Hobbit is such a beautiful story, and I think a lot of that got lost in the extensions. Yeah, well, it's. The, the the Lord of the Rings book is the epic. It's the sort of you feel the time and the age and the kind of the vastness of it yes. and the, the the epicness of it. How many times can I say epic? Uh, but like <laughs> you know, it feel you you feel that kind of in a way of like when we think about it, like dinosaurs of like that kind of like the vastness of like what is sixty five what is millions of years. Absolutely, and Lord of the Rings has that kind of weight and history to it. But what I loved about reading the Hobbit growing up was the kind of whimsy of it and the fairy tale and it almost feels yes. like it almost feels like a more like a nerdier um princess bride where it's like you have the wow. narrator and totally. you know and it, and it really does like when you when they tried to make the hobbit into the lord of the rings and then in the sense of sharing that epic tone it feels like a lot of that whimsy and the things that we loved about the book were kind of lost absolutely what i will say is that 
Benedict Cumberbatch Smaug, I thought was like spot on. Well, it's it. It's like for me, that's how it's like. I I do still like The Hobbit and stuff a lot. If well, not, I don't like it a lot. But <laughs> I will say, I still like watching those movies because it's still. I do the like the. I still like the universe it. that Peter Jackson totally. created. It is still a great Middle Earth, mm-hmm. but it's like. But it's just such a weird, the way that they just, what they chose to extend was very strange. And what they chose to add was very strange. It felt like it wasn't, they didn't extend anything that actually helped capture the magic of the original book. It was like. And then they left out things from the original book that made no sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. And it seems weird because it's like, I don't know my, this is a chance just to, on mic to get my own personal gripe out, but it's just mm-hmm. like you have us. You you think you're going to extend this book into three movies that yeah. you would you would like dive deeper into the characters of the dwarves. Yeah. But instead, they just added more characters around the dwarves. I know they got Orlando Bloom back. I'm well, not gonna, <laughs> but it, but you know it's it seems weird that they wouldn't use that time spent to like maybe because to me this idea so like Battle of Five Armies yeah. it's like you had these dwarves going you know on this journey with Thorin because he's like trying to reclaim his th- you know ancient home and everything mm-hmm. how great would it have been if at the beginning of because you know what what I loved about Return of the Kings the flashback to the finding of the ring by Spiegel oh, yes. like the way that they kind of go full circle so imagine like at the beginning of Battle of Five Armies, we flash back to Thorin wandering the Middle Earth and, and kind of it's the recruitment scene that you see like in Seven Samurai or like the Oceans movies Absolutely. where it's like him going to like all the different dwarves and like how they've been kind of cast out by their own, you know, how they're kind of outcasts in their different yeah. cities and countrysides. And it's like showing how that company came together would actually like create more characters instead the dwarves are just kind of like they have like one quirk and that's all we know right and i and then it would make you you know it makes their deaths more tragic yeah spoiler alert yeah someone dies (laughs) (laughs) but i mean my biggest gripe with most movies is i i all i want or like any like media i just i want character development i want to feel connected to these people and i want them to be like real people and or or elves or whatever real Thing that they are, yeah, and yeah, I think that was definitely like a misstep because you could have you could have gotten so much deeper into them. And then I also think that like it's a weird balance that I think a lot of these series try to strike with, you know, like comic relief, especially for like family movies, and yeah. then also like like you know enough action and you know excitement and plot. Yeah, and then I think character development is like the thing that's always lost in that. And yeah, that's the thing that I want. But that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, because they just, yeah, they just wanted to. It was almost like the Hobbit movies were like providing context for why this thing is important. But like, you know, the whole yeah. the, the, the Hobbit ends, you know, again with like Bilbo basically being like, oh, you know, I'm just one little Hobbit in this bigger adventure and like I don't really matter. And it's like. Right. It's that kind of tension between those things, but it's like, but the movies had to create all these reasons for why it had to exist and add all this extra elf stuff and orc stuff and everything. It's like, no, the point was it was this little adventure that didn't really matter, but it had this one little thing that carried over to the point that like that's why hobbits are like you know such good people and that and that's the spirit that carried into Lord of the Rings right but the and actual could, stuff didn't really matter in the Hobbit no and it could have just been a great dramatic irony you know yes, perfect yes exactly <laughs> like, which I think was which was I think that's really what Tolkien was saying too I think yeah. you're totally right so instead oh. by making it this big epic thing it like kind of robs the that. weight of the 
of the, how important it becomes in Lord of the Rings. I, I wholly agree. I think this should be its own podcast. I'm not going to like <laughs> No, no. Well, but I mean, yeah, well, maybe we can keep checking in because, you know, the the Lord of the Rings TV series that Jay Bayona is, is directing some of the episodes uh that by Amazon, it's set in the second age. Oh. So it's so it's like at the time of like when the um, so like the fall of Numenor. Or? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, basically. Okay. So it's like you know when what's his face? Uh, like when Elrond, you know, like the prologue for Lord of the Rings. So it's kind I of love set, that. I think it's set like probably before, like right before that. So maybe it'll be like the rise of Sauron or something. I hope the music is similar. Like would, yeah. the, the music in Lord of the Rings is really just what grabbed me so much. And also maybe because it's a show, they'll have more time and effort and desire to do more character development. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be so, cool. But yeah, we'll definitely keep checking in because yes. it's like I definitely. Again, now that I found a way to connect my Jurassic and my Lord of the Rings fandoms, that. but also I feel like like you and and a few other people I know do love both of these things, and yeah, and it seems like just talking to people who listen to this show are like, oh yeah, that would be fun. Like, you know, it's it's another Holy. thread to follow, yeah. you know, because yeah. right now we're we're excited for one new Jurassic Park movie, and now I get to be excited for because th- that's series. that's my thing. Like Jurassic Park and Lord of the Rings were like. Loved Jurassic Park as a kid, then that went away, and I was into Lord of the Rings, and then and Lord the of the Rings kind of faded, yeah. and so now I'm back into Jurassic Park. So now it's like this will be like the first time that both of those <gasps> loves will kind of overlap. Oh, that's exciting! Yeah, so yeah, damn, yeah, for we'll definitely have to uh, circle back, keep following up. Yeah, because I think that the Lord of the Rings TV show is going to air the same year that the Jurassic World three comes out too. So amazing! It's like, and do you know what it's going to be on? That'll be a busier. Uh, will it be on Amazon? Yes, okay. and then. Yeah, they haven't. They just said 2021 vaguely. Great. So we still got some time. I'd rather they take their time and make something amazing. Yeah. Well, they are going to film the one bit of new news by the time this comes out is that mm-hmm. they they are going to film it in New Zealand again. Yes. Which is like that's all I it need makes to me want to go to New Zealand. Honestly, wasn't that awesome? <laughs> uh, stay tuned for Kira's SJR interview. We talked a lot about dinosaur advocacy, dinosaur advocacy, animal advocacy, and lots of great dinosaur stuff. Yeah, uh, but I hope you enjoyed this little bit uh, with Kira here about Lord of the Rings. I'm really excited to talk about Lord of the Rings. You know, it's really in the last few years. I mean, Jurassic Park and Star Wars have kind of been my two biggest fandoms. But there's just something, I mean, it, talking about Lord of the Rings now is really making me feel the same feelings I had back in 2013 when it was the 20th anniversary of Jurassic Park. And it was like starting to see online and see different you know, to, to discover like way back when Jurassic Outpost was like JurassicWorld.org or something like that. Like those early days of like getting back into a fandom are so exciting. So just talking about this right now has made me like, I was excited, but like now I'm really excited. So let me know. I really want to know if any of you are, I know, if, I know a handful of you are super into Lord of the Rings as well. So are you excited about this Amazon TV show? Are you really looking forward to diving back into the fandom? Did you prefer the books? Did you prefer the movies? Did you enjoy the Jackson Hobbit films? Did you prefer the original, um, the original, you know, Don Bluth or the, Don Bluth? No, not Don Bluth. Uh, Ralph Bakshi animations. Uh, speaking of which, um, I wanted to shout out the Bluth, the whole Bluth and nothing but the Bluth, which is my Percast co-host, Sarah Iyer, and our buddy Dax Schaefer. It's their Don Bluth animation podcast, but they also cover other animations, other animations, other animated movies. 
And we did an epic Lord of the Rings episode where we assembled a fellowship of nine people, uh, plus Arwen, uh, of like we, we assembled a fellowship level amount of people and recorded a podcast about all the Lord of the Rings animated movies. So yes, that was like nine, 10 people all together talking about it. It, it was, it's the most amount of people I've ever personally recorded for a podcast. Um, and, and, uh, the Bluth, the whole Bluth and nothing but the Bluth is a great podcast. If you love animated movies, especially Don Bluth, obviously, but if you just love the kind of the weird, wacky, wild old animations that we don't seem to get anymore, it's such a great podcast, but I'll put a link to my episode. Um, this Lord of the Rings episode I was a guest on, but I've also guested on, uh, we're back and land before time and Fern Gully. So I've been on it a bunch. Um, it's such a fun podcast. Um, Sarah and Dax really put a lot of work in and a lot of research. So it's well worth, uh, checking out, but now I need to get to your questions for, you know, what you're looking forward to for 2020. I printed this out. So I also need to get a vision test. So I'm just, I'm saying this out loud to myself on the podcast because I need it to happen. But, um, the question from last month was what drastic news do you want to see most in 2020? Uh, Jurassic World 3 title reveal trailer, new time announcement, Camp Cretaceous, you know, what is, what's kind of the big thing, uh, that you want to hear, um, you know, in 2020. So, um, I mean, obviously, so, to, to put it in context as well, too, for the past two films, for Jurassic World and for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, we got a title reveal, like poster with the movie's title, you know, Jurassic World, or instead of Jurassic Park 4, and instead of Jurassic World 2, we got, you know, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. We got those in about, I think both were in June of the year before the movie came out, so this June would we probably get a title reveal of, I just hit my phone, we get a title reveal of of Jurassic World 3, what the actual title is. Although, wouldn't it be very poetic if Jurassic World 3 turned out to be just Jurassic World 3 as a mirror to Jurassic Park 3? But I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think so. Um, and then we get, we got a trailer for both, uh, Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the October and November, I believe, respectively, of the year before the movie came out. So those are obviously things we're going to get this year. I don't know why I'm knocking on wood, but just, just based on the past evidence. So, but, um, I want to see what all of you were looking forward to. So these come from the Facebook group, uh, Clayton, Clayton Fioridi. He says, Camp Cretaceous. I'm super excited for Camp Cretaceous. I was just talking to somebody the other day that like, you know, obviously I love the movies, you know, these are the big changes in canon, but you know, Jurassic World does have a serious lack of tie in material. And, you know, I want, I want tie-in material to expand the lore. I don't want the tie-in material to be inconsequential. I know that that's a lot, you know, harder and you need a lot more money and budget and team and stuff. But I mean, the idea that we could get a 10, 12, 20 episode animated series that takes place during the events of Jurassic World, like that's just super exciting. So um, that I'm definitely excited to hear more about. Um, Andrew says, I would love another book. I haven't checked out that Claire one yet, but I will, I swear, but I love movie time books, maybe a comic series, except for the motion comic series. JP would adapt well to that format. Um, yeah, evolution of Claire is great. And I wish we had more, I wish we had evolution of Owen, evolution of, uh, Moses or announcer, <laughs> Courtney James Clark, shout out. Um, you know, evolution of, of Ellie Sattler, evolution of Muldoon, evolution of, uh, Henry Wu, you know? So, um, 
Brenda, uh, Brenda says possibility of seeing more shorts like battle at big rock hashtag teasers. Yeah. I would love more battle at big rock style shorts. I don't know if there's going to be time now that they're focusing on Jurassic world three itself, but it would be pretty cool if somehow they built into the production schedule, like taking these characters, you know, this huge cast. I mean, listen to the last episode as far as casting goes. I mean, the fact that, um, the fact that Justice Smith and Daniela Pineda are coming back, like our original trio are coming back. Like these are ripe opportunities to maybe film a little bit more than you need to and spin them off into shorts. Although I do like the idea of like having shorts that again, don't feature any of the main cast members having these original stories. So, but I don't know if we're, I mean, I personally don't know if we're going to have time, but I mean, if they built it in, that would be awesome. Maybe built into the locations, kind of like how those Marvel shorts would sometimes feature like an extra or, a, you know, a, a side actor. They, you know, they keep them around for an extra few minutes to film like the aftermath or the prelude to another action scene or something like that. I don't know. There's so many possibilities, but I would love it. Um, Kelly says Jurassic World Live and Jurassic World Evolution. I've waited for the live show to make its way to the West Coast for a year and I'm excited to see the life-size dinosaur puppets. FYI, it's at the Staples Center July 17th, 19th. Yes, I'm hoping I can go to LA for sure. Maybe hopefully Anaheim as well too. Um, and yeah, maybe this is the year that I finally start playing Jurassic World uh, Evolution. So... Uh, Dusty says, Hey, Dusty, looking forward to all the clips and trailers for the new movie. Also, maybe we can find out which dinosaurs will be used in the movie. You know, we've talked a lot about, you know, Ellie and Alan and, and, you know, Ian returning and stuff. But what about dinosaurs? Obviously, I'm sure Rexy and I'm sure Blue are going to come back. But what other dinosaurs? I mean, they're spreading across the globe, supposedly. And obviously, we'll probably see a lot of the dinosaurs that ran off from Lockwood's Manor at the end of Fallen Kingdom, but we're going to see a lot of new dinosaurs because the Pseudoceratops is nowhere to be found in the in the ship in Fallen Kingdom. But, you know, as Trevorrow said, it's like, just because we didn't see it doesn't mean it isn't there. You know, they chose to show certain things and stuff like that. So I think we're going to see plenty of new dinosaurs as well. And the technology is now in the hands of so many other people other than Wu. So there's going to be com- other companies making dinosaurs and stuff. So um, I personally hope my one sort of nostalgic fan service pick is that we get a Dilophosaurus back in the mix. We've had hints in this new trilogy at the Dilophosaurus. So how appropriate would it be? You know, in the first one, you just have the hologram. And then in the second one, you have the sounds. It just would feel like it'd be such a triumphant return if they found a really cool way to have the Dilophosaurus come back in Jurassic World 3. So that's my one pick. Um, And hoping for an announcement about a Sarah Harding comeback too. And then Brenna says, yes, girl, Sarah, that would be so awesome. We don't need to have, Ju- I mean, I would love a whole Julianne Moore return, Sarah Harding. I think, again, consistently, she's one of the characters where it makes sense that Dr. Sarah Harding was not afraid of dinosaurs. So, you know, what's she been up to? Is she somehow, is she out there helping the dinosaurs? I want to know. That's that's all I'm going to say. All right. We're going to answer a few final uh, responses from Twitter about what Jurassic news you want to see this year. Uh, and then we're going to end with a beautiful voicemail from Tom Fishenden, a.k.a. Tom Jurassic. So, James Ronan um, 
aka James, Jurassic James 1 from the Jurassic Park pod says I would really like to see the announcement of more Jurassic character centric books like Evolution of Claire a book on Henry Wu after JP or before JW again as I said before James I agree novels are the perfect place to flesh out stuff I mean I grew up on the Star Wars Legends novels I mean they weren't Legends at the time but so to me that stuff was really like sure you had your I mean we had three Star Wars movies but I had dozens of Star Wars books exploring Luke, Leia, um, and Han, you know, and the rest of the gang. Um, you know, so I, I just feel like there's such a way that these characters could live on beyond the movies, you know? So I, I really hope for something like that as well, too. Um, Belgian Jurassic says, I want a making of Jurassic saga book with never before seen photos, concept art, set drama, and inside stories about the 30 years of dinosaur movie magic. I would love that too, especially for this new trilogy. We need some goddamn art books. Tell your senator. Um, and then Clumsy Stiggy says, either a Battle at Big Rock follow up that's in the works or Camp Cretaceous preview. Uh, uh, Vincent eight seven four one one eight six eight eight six says everything, and it's the Benedict Cumberbatch uh, gif from Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, and then Tyrant number four says, "I want to hear that it was ghostwritten and directed by Steven Spielberg." Uh, don't think that's going to happen, but um, Steven Spielberg. Ha- I think people don't realize how much Steven Spielberg truly is involved in this new trilogy. Um, so there's that hope there if you need it. So, um, I'm going to just play Tom's message to end this episode. Uh, again, thank you everyone for listening. I know that it's kind of all over the place sometimes when this podcast comes out. So I really appreciate all of you sticking with me, uh, and, uh, that kind of thing. Um, but things are heating up and hopefully I should be able to get to you guys more regularly. Um, but while we're here, I wanted to mention one more time, uh, or I wanted to mention that the question for next month is because to me, this is the most exciting element of Jurassic World 3 is Laura Dern returning as Dr. Ellie Sattler in a major way. And what do you think about that? What what are you hoping to see? Where has Dr. Sattler been since we saw her in Jurassic Park 3? Where do you want the character to go? Um, what's her journey and what has led her to being back involved with these dinosaurs after all this time? So let me know. You can comment in any of the posts. Call 323-688-6969 or email cjurassicwrite at gmail.com. I really want to hear what you think. Because for me, I thought I had Jurassic World 3 figured out in my head sort of or like what it could be about. But I think throwing Dr. Sattler back in the mix kind of changes the game for me. And I really don't know what to expect, which is actually really cool and really exciting. And it's kind of hard to be surprised and excited in this day and age where we're so kept up to date with all this stuff. So um, let me know what you think. And if you're excited for Dr. Ellie Sattler to return to Jurassic Park. Um, But with that said, let's play this wonderful voicemail from Tom. Thank you, Tom, as always, for bringing the heart and soul. Um, You are the heart and soul of the community. Uh, Yeah, thank you. And I'll talk to you very soon. Hi, Stephen. It's Tom, a.k.a. Tom Jurassic here. And I hope you're doing really, really well. I hope that you and Brenna and all of the rest of your family and friends had a really, really nice Christmas and also enjoyed celebrating the new year. It's a great time to kind of take a step back from everything, especially with how hectic podcasting life can be and kind of just relax and unwind for a little bit. I know I've certainly had a good one, so I hope you have too. 
Um, in terms of my personal favourite Jurassic moments for 2019, there's a whole massive list of so many different memories that I'm thankful for. Uh, I mean, starting off the year, I got to go down to Paradise Wildlife Park. They gave me free access to do a Jurassic Park podcast article. And I got to hang out with the really, really cool team from JP20, which is a UK-based Jurassic Jeep that goes around to loads of different events. Um, and they were cool enough to chat to me on the podcast and actually let me sit inside the Jeep, which not everyone gets to do. So that was certainly very, very special for me. Um, another a special thing has been a lot of the memories made with Jurassic World Evolution hosting two community meetups in 2019 both of which seemed to go fairly well and also getting to hang out with some of the team from Frontier uh, has certainly been a highlight for me and then of course hanging out with so many different people from the community, you know, people who listen to the podcast I am looking at you, Bella Colette Hannah, so many cool people who I've got to spend time with this year from all different walks of life and all different countries, uh, which has been really, really special. Of course, I can't say that without mentioning the incredible wedding of Josh and Jennifer Evans, uh, Jennifer Terrick, for those of you who don't know, obviously Jen and now Jennifer Evans. Um, and getting invited to that in itself was an incredibly special memory and caused me to do one of the most uh, ambitious things I've done in my life so far. You know, at the ripe young age of just 20, I got to travel to America on my own, stay in my very first Airbnb and hang out with so many awesome people. Caleb, Samantha, Christine, Corey, Brad, Chris, Jack, Josh and Jen themselves and everyone else because I feel like I've definitely forgot someone there um, it was just really really awesome oh Ashley and Kelsey as well there we go uh, it was really awesome and a really really special time so hanging out with so many Jurassic fans this year sharing that love sharing that passion and that enthusiasm has been really really awesome and then of course to top it all off I got to meet the man himself Colin Trevorrow or Trevorrow uh, at a showing of why is it escaping me? I've got the poster here somewhere. Safety not guaranteed. There we go. Took me a second to click it. Uh, but that was really, really cool. My first time seeing the film. Um, an overall really, really great year. Lots of fantastic memories. Lots of really, really cool opportunities. I mean, I never thought a year ago I'd be doing stuff like videos for Jurassic Collectibles, for example. Uh, so it's definitely been a year for the books in 2019 and a year filled with Jurassic goodness and I'm really really excited to see what 2020 will bring uh, I think in terms of the things I'm looking forward to most of course we have Camp Cretaceous we can't ignore that it's the elephant in the room we know it's coming and it's going to be so exciting to see what kind of story DreamWorks choose to tell within the Jurassic universe uh, I think that traditionally DreamWorks productions have made really really high quality pieces of content so I'm excited to see Camp Cretaceous uh, hopefully get that treatment and inject some much needed energy and enthusiasm into the franchise leading up to 2021 now obviously next year we will also begin to get more news on filming on casting rough ideas of the plots for Jurassic World 3 hopefully a couple of trailers um, 
so it's certainly going to be a good year to be a fan from that standpoint I think it's going to be a year filled with information and it's going to be really interesting to get an idea of what kind of direction the franchise is going in with that said however I think the thing I'm most excited for is getting to hang out with more people in 2020 Uh, it feels weird saying 2020 already but there we go Uh, but I think it's going to be a year filled with hopefully more Jurassic meets hanging out with more fans I'd maybe like to do a couple more community meetups although they can be quite time consuming so I've got to plan that Um, and yeah just getting to hang out and kind of share this thing with more people you know I mean for me personally you guys know I'm still relatively new in the community I think I've been kicking around a couple of years now Um, it feels like each and every year new opportunities are popping up, new people are popping up, and I'm having a blast with it. It's like a roller coaster ride that I don't ever want to get off of, so I'm really, really excited to see what twists and turns are around the corner next, and I think 2020 is going to be a big part of that. So, uh, yeah, that swings for me in a nutshell. I wanted to take the time to record this and send it in. Um, and yeah, I hope everyone listening to See Jurassic Right is doing good. I hope you all had a good Christmas and New Year's and I'm excited to hear what everyone else is looking forward to in 2020 and beyond as well. Thanks, Stephen. Take care and have a good one. Now you can also interact with me and the show by following me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris and following SJRPod on Twitter, See Jurassic Ride on Instagram, See Jurassic Ride on Facebook, or you can send me an email at seejurassicride at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood, and oh god, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well, and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McAleer, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Ride is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time.
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.